We're in a battle for America's soul. Liberty is at risk. It's time to speak up. Welcome to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot, Brooke Says. For years, Brooke's been behind the scenes, helping conservative leaders articulate a vision for a better America. Now, she's front and center, and the mic is hot. Here is your host, Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brooke Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from an unapologetically conservative perspective. No squishy Mitt Romney rhinos here, I assure you. Uh, I'm your host, Brooke Says, conservative patriot, proud, deplorable, and columnist, which you can read on my website, brooktalksamerica.com, Brooke with an E. Connect on all the interwebs, as long as we're able to be on there. You know, they're purging conservatives. If you'd like to partner and become a sponsor for the show, let me know. Also, we have a donate button, and uh, the shop is open on the website. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Colonel Jim Warshuk, who's the former deputy director for intelligence at U.S. Central Command. He served on the White House National Security Council, and he is the re-elected unanimously without opposition chairman of the Hillsborough County, uh, Florida Republican Party. And we'll be getting into that in a bit. Uh, you can read his articles on his Facebook page as well. So from Hot Topics to History, you can be sure if it's happening in America, I will be talking about it. Um, you can listen to archived podcasts of this show on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. Also, I, I'm on Captain's America Third Watch every Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. Colonel Jim is on Wednesdays at 5 a.m., both on this station, Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. The podcast is also available on iHeartRadio, very easy to get, Spotify and Podomatic. And just a note, I will be speaking at the Tampa Bay Trump Club on Tuesday, December 15th, which starts at 5.30 at Mugs, Sports Bar and Grill in Clearwater. Captain Matt and Colonel Jim will also be speaking, and the headline speaker is Roger Stone. So let's get to the jelly. My guest today is Amanda Mackey. She is a Republican lawyer and political and policy strategist, most recently having run in the Republican primary in Florida's 13th congressional district in 2020. She's a Trump supporter, which is always important to mention, to differentiate her from the never-Trumper Republicans, of which you know so well. Uh, As an infant, Mackey and her family escaped an oppressive religious regime in Iran after the revolution in 1979 known for his persecution of dissidents to come to America. Uh, Great immigrant story. With the little resources they could quickly scrape together, they escaped to come to the land of opportunity, where anyone with a dream and a good work ethic could become successful. As a Farsi language speaker, Mackey was appointed by the George W. Bush administration to serve the Army General Council at the Pentagon just weeks after the September 11th terrorist attacks. Mackey went on to serve as senior Republican health care advisor to both the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives and before the age of 40 became one of the youngest partners of K&L Gates, one of the nation's premier law firms. Amanda is frequently brought on her for her expertise as a Republican attorney and strategist on national networks such as Fox, Newsmax, CNBC, International, BBC, and Sky News, where she recently threw down with that crazy anti-Trumper Andrew Bolt, Adam Bolton and uh, Fox News. You can also find her on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and her website is AmandaMackey.com. That's Mackey, M-A-K-K-I. And with that great introduction, I'd like to welcome to the show, Amanda, thanks for coming on. 
Thank you so much for having me, Brooke. Absolutely. So, Amanda, you have been, as I mentioned, a, Repub- a volunteer Republican Army um, attorney for the recount part of the Army, the Trump Army, for the recounts of the mm-hmm. 2020 presidential election. Uh, and you will soon be going to Georgia for that state's efforts with the Senate races, from what I understand. And um, you, as a volunteer attorney, are needed after the fact for that, correct? Yeah. And, you know, look, I always like to say no one's above going and helping and doing what they can. Um, They have uh, in Georgia a thousand paid volunteers right now. Uh, So we definitely have built up a good ground game. But we need people up there doing work. We need people up there knocking doors. And from, you know, your own home here in Florida, um, you can make phone calls. You can make phone calls on behalf of the campaign. And so um, this is just such a critical election for many reasons. But most importantly, um, if the president is not able to prevail, uh, you know, basically the Democrats are going to control every lever of the federal government. And things that we could not fathom would be in the realm of possibility for happening, in the very, you know, easy realm of possibility for happening. So Georgia is our only stopgap that we have um, you know, right now to make sure that if the president is unable to, you know, achieve these challenges that we've been trying to push, uh, that we would have a stopgap measure. But to your point, you asked me about, you know, being a, being a volunteer attorney and what that entails. And I was in Wisconsin, as you mentioned, and will be in Georgia as well. Right. And so from what I understand in the Georgia case uh, via Linwood, that it's finally docketed to the Supreme Court. So we're definitely all crossing our fingers that and praying and uh, some stuff has come out of Michigan. All these key swing states, there is stuff going on behind the scenes. It's not being talked a lot too much because it's focusing on uh, Georgia, both with the, you know, recount for the presidential election and also with the Georgia races. But so when you, the, the Wisconsin is case is also being looked upon and litigated. And in fact, it came out that the uh, Wisconsin today, Supreme Court takes up the case after the circuit court judge dismissed it. And we'll hear about the corruption in the election process of two of their large Wisconsin's largest and Democrat led counties, of course. What's the significance of that? And also, what did you see? when you were there like what is the process of being a volunteer attorney what is it that you're looking for go through walk us through that process sure so you know as as attorneys when we're when we're there what we're doing is we're serving as the mouthpiece for really the ballot observers the ballot observation process is so critically important Mm -hmm. and if you remember the very beginning of the um, you know, recount days, especially in Pennsylvania, we won, uh, the Trump team won on basically being able to say 24 feet is absolutely not meaningful observation. I mean, try and try and look 24 feet and see if you can right. see something meaningfully. It, it's, it's a joke. And so for the campaign to be able to be within six was allowed. And of course, everyone's, you know, doing this under the guise of social distancing. Um, But the reality is, is that you have to be able to observe a ballot. That is the whole point of a recount process. Now, uh, what we were able to do in Wisconsin was have our observers, there was a Republican observer, there was a Democrat observer, and then the attorneys were just roving. Basically, they were walking up and down the aisle. So when there was a moment where one of our observers would say, okay, wait, I want to flag this ballot. They would raise their hand and then they would have, uh, you know, they would have one of the attorneys like myself go up and say to one of the municipal workers in Milwaukee, 
uh, we want to flag this ballot. This ballot was, you know, for whatever reason that we did. Now, what that was successful in doing, and a lot of people said, oh, all this money that was spent in Wisconsin, what a waste of time. You even went there. It was just the same numbers. Well, of course. I mean, it's a, it's a recount. So you're going to recount. You may come out 100 ahead, 100 below. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is, what did you observe? And what we could surmise based on looking at these ballots um, and flagging these ballots was that 215,000 plus, um, you know, were basically what we would say did not follow the letter of the law in the state of Wisconsin. Wow. And so I'll give you, you know, examples um, of, of this. So there were four activities that we flagged. Uh, a total of at least 170,000 absentee ballots were improperly counted as they were issued without the elector having first submitted a written application as required by Wisconsin law. Mm-hmm. Now, Wisconsin law is very big on having people vote in person. They are really loath to do the mail-ins and whatnot. So they require an application. This is required under their state statute. But what they didn't do was enforce it. So we flagged 170,000 absentee ballots improperly counted because no written application was submitted with them. We had about 5,500 absentee ballots that we believe were improperly counted because they were cured. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you had to have the person who was um, witnessing your ballot uh, put their address in. Let's say they didn't put their address in. That should not qualify for a ballot that should be counted. So what did we do? We raised the objection. What did they do? They filled in. They right. went into Google. They went in yellow pages. And they filled in the address. They did what is called curing the ballot. Um, so we had 5,500 there. There were 28,000-plus absentee ballots that were counted for what is called indefinite confinement. Indefinite confinement is basically you're physically ill, you're infirm, you're elderly, you're disabled. But you know what? People pushed the envelope this year and they said, oh, I'm indefinitely confined. I can't submit a ballot. Why? Because they didn't need to produce identification. Right. But what what would what we did was we were able to find these people's social media pages that had them throwing a party, excited that Biden won, you know, throwing a, you know, thing at their work, being at work. All those things disqualify them from being indefinitely combined. That was 28,000 absentee ballots. And then there were 17,000 absentee ballots that were, we believe, either improperly cast or received at Democracy in the Park. Basically, the city of Madison, one of the most liberal bastions in the country, um, basically had 206 locations that they had set up democracy in the park that they could receive ballots. Well, we don't know if representatives of the clerk's office, as required under Wisconsin law, were the recipients of these ballots who actually received the ballots. So those are what we do in a recount. So when people get this, you know, if your naysayer neighbor or relative is saying, oh, that was such a joke, why did they even spend the money? This is why the Trump campaign spent the money to have the volunteers, to have those people observing these ballots, because Fraud isn't always what we think of in our heads as like, oh, someone went and stole a ballot and then right. you know, did this or forged it. It is not following the letter of the law. And that's, in fact, what we observed in Wisconsin. 
Right. Okay, so hold that thought, and we will be right back. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer, here with Amanda Mackey and coming up, Colonel Jim. More Brooke Talks America coming up. I would love to sing a song for you that no one has heard. I would do my best, pour out my heart. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Amanda Mackey. You know, that's a great point. The, the, the basic issue at hand here with all of this is that, that is happening it is election integrity. And, you know, I always like to present this idea because, the like you mentioned, they're like, oh, how, why did they spend all this money? Why are we doing this? You know, the left just wants Trump to concede and go have this go away as if 74, 75 or I concede 80 million voters are just going to go away in the middle of the night and say, "Okay, well, you know, Trump lost, Biden won, et cetera. Just imagine this. If it was five, however many states it is, five, six states, if they were red states, if they were red counties, if Trump was behind on election night. Right. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the the counting, five red states decided to stop counting. And then, boom, and three o'clock in the morning, there were data dumps. And all of a sudden you erase an 800,000 Biden you know, advantage to negative whatever it is, thousand Trump. If that had happened, I mean, Democrats loot, you know, and riot and break stuff for anything. They would be riding in the streets. They would have been riding in the streets from election day. Not a single riot has happened when since since um you know this happened with Trump. But if you just imagine that, that would that would not be the case. They would not go quietly into the night. Okay, Mark Elias would be you know pumping his fists and everything like that. So this is how we have to premise all of this. Unfortunately, I think you know, myself, that Trump should have that on his Twitter feed rolling as a message, you know, a red box message with neon lights all day long. That's what would be happening. But the issue here is election integrity. And, you know, like, I don't accept the idea that, you know, if we just say, oh, you know, we have to clean up the voter rolls, obviously. And, you know, you know, Colonel Jim, as the chair of the Republican Party, they have a great team here that does that with the SOE. And, you know, our people scare Latimer when they go in the office because they know that we're watching. But it's not enough to say we have to clean up the voter rolls for future elections. We have to have it be right for this election. That cannot stand that you have 200,000 plus situations where they the the ballots are not correct. And you had a situation that I saw a video out where you know, this is just one of many hundreds of thousands throughout the case. I think this whole pandemic, you know, I've been talking about this on the show, this part of the whole plan to have people confined and have people that they could, they had an, an elderly, you know, person in a nursing home who wanted to vote for Trump, but you had Democrats go in there and go, no, we, you can't vote for Trump. He's a bad guy. You have to vote for Biden. And they wrote in Biden's name. So all kind of situations like this all over the country cannot be allowed to stand. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, um, you know, I came from uh, a country I was born in uh, that doesn't honor this. They yeah. rig elections. This happens all across the world, but this should not be happening in the United States. Now, you know, what I will say again is that, you know, we just want people to follow the, the letter of the law. I mean, I just gave examples of where Wisconsin statute says this. 
and you have bureaucrats, municipal workers, basically looking the other way. And as President Trump said in his interview with Maria Bartiromo two weeks ago, we basically have these people who have no guts. They yeah. have no guts to say, you know what, let's take a breather here. And, and, and you know, today is actually... It's Republicans that don't of, have guts. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it, it, the fact is that people don't want to stand up to the media. Correct. And I am so proud of President Trump for yeah. being the person to stand up to the media. But look, here's the thing. We have... Today is the anniversary of Bush v. Gore, okay? We waited all those days, 37 Mm -hmm. days. We were patient. But look at how they did a fait accompli four days after the election was held. They said, this is over. This is over. It's it's, it's done. Who said that? Journalists said that. Who said that? The left-wing media said that. This is a country where people have fought and died. Colonel Warshak knows this better than, than all of us. Right. People fought and died for the right for us to have free and fair elections, to have integrity in the process of our vote. And that's what everyone wants. Now, people may say, oh, this is over. We already did this. We litigated. We need to move on. Yeah, of course, everyone wants to move on. But there are 70 percent of about 80 million people that believe this election was stolen. And oh, by the way, there's 30 percent of Democrats, according to Russell yeah. Wilson, who believe the election was not free and fair. Correct. Yeah. So it's it's not going to happen, you know, uh, that we're just going to give up and, and go forward. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to get into it on the air, but I think we can all assume that it's just not going to happen. Uh, we're ju- we're just not going to let this thing get stolen. But I want to ask you a question. So, um, you know, really quickly on this this one issue, and then I want to get into your, you know, your story. Uh, you you ran for the Florida House 13th District against Charlie Crist, who apparently can't decide which party to belong to, you know. But um, even though you didn't win, and I assume you'll probably run again, hopefully, but we had the most amount of Republican women at this term win than at any time. Than ever like a before. Historic, yeah. Than ever before. It's historic. Um, this is the 117th Congress, and we have at least 18 women. Um, I think there's still one outstanding in uh, New York, Claudia Tenney. She may yeah. be uh, a victor. But we basically have had the most historic, and the people, the women who won, the women who won were all women with American dream uh, stories. Right. Uh, they were either first of uh, one type, so you had uh, Harrell in New Mexico, first Native American Republican right. woman. You had, um, you know, the uh, daughter of Cuban immigrants. That's not a first for the GOP. We've had others. But, um, you know, she was able to flip the seat, Maria Elvira right. Salazar in South Florida, against a Clinton machine, um, you know, Donna Shalala, who Big. was Secretary of HHS in the Clinton administration, president of the University of Miami. Yeah. Huge. Why? Because they all fought against socialism. Correct. They all rallied against communism, socialism, and what people in South Florida, by and large, have escaped. Venezuela, Colombia, Nicaragua, Cuba. Yeah. What have they escaped? They've escaped oppressive regimes, Venezuela. And so uh, we, we had a great success uh, with our GOP women because I think a lot the GOP women that won all had great stories. They really did. Um, I think, you know, we need to get more GOP women involved. We need to show them this was just the beginning. We can dominate the Democrats on having, you know, uh, Republican women, but it's not about just having Republican women. They have to be conservative. I was just going to say that. The values. Yeah, I was they just going to say that. You know, the right values. Yep. Lisa Murkowski is a is listed as a Republican, but she's not. She's a, she's not a conservative by any stretch whatsoever. 
There are a lot of those. There's yeah. Lisa Murkowski. There's Susan Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was once an Olympia Snow. Um, you know, they, they, they aren't. Um, but what I think is our success and what showed was our success this go around was conservative women who didn't back down. They, they supported Trump. Right. They supported, uh, you know, making sure that illegal immigrants aren't, um, you know, making their way to the United States. And we're just embracing that. We're not a country. We are a country of laws. Right. <laughs> That's what I always say. We're a country of laws. And people say, oh, you're an immigrant to this country. Yeah, my family came here legally. We did. We waited our turn. I remember my parents did not become citizens until it was their turn. I was in high school. I came here as an infant. That's right. how long it takes. But guess what? They waited their turn. And if someone skips the line, I don't, I'm not going to call that fair. I'm going to call that basically they're able to commit an act of getting ahead of people, which is wrong. And if we're nothing, we're a country of laws, and we don't allow for that. Right. And I was actually going to ask you about that. I, f- I find it incredibly offensive as a, as an American that people think that they can just come over, but particularly as a legal immigrant, it just must go you because the amount of money, the amount of time. I know people that have become citizens and it's like they all should be against illegal immigrants, be illegal aliens being able to get in right. here like that. But I just right. want to, you know, I want to ask you really uh, as a, you know, as a as an immigrant from Iran in particular, so your family is Christian, as I had, you know, I talked with you before, I had Dr. David Samadhi on to ask him the same question. As people from, you know, as immigrants in general, but particularly from a place like Iran, you know, how, how what do you think about, you know, America, people who are born in America so willing to give away their freedoms to what would likely be in exactly the same situation as a country like Iran? These people are dictators. They're totalitarian dictators, the people that want to take over the country, like uh, Comrade Cortez and her man, merry band of Furious Four psychos over there. That's what they want to create here. You know, I, I would like to say, um, I hope that one day, uh, whether I'm in office or someone else comes up with the idea or pushes the idea, let's have every high school student spend two weeks in a communist socialist Such or a religious idea. theocracy like Iran. Okay. Yeah. And then I promise you, they will not be protesting and destroying our history. They will not be destroying our monuments. They will be so thrilled that uh, they live in the greatest country on earth that they would never take to what they've been doing um, in, in basically destroying our democracy. And so I think that that is something that um, I, I, I learned it. Uh, you know, certainly living, you know, in a family who we were so patriotic, I mean, right. to, the, to the extreme, because we knew what we fled. We knew what our lives could have been. Um, and when you're here and you, you're you on terra firma, you're on ground that you know you are in the greatest democracy on earth, that's not something you take lightly. That's why voting is so important to a lot of these people where they say, I know that my vote counts in America, and if it doesn't, I'm going to fight for that. And that's why I think people really need to understand what's at stake for our country if we have Democrats pushing this radical agenda that they are surely going to push. Let's yeah. give statehood to, to Washington, D.C. Why? Because we don't like that we're not winning. We can't win on our own merits, so let's add states that we know that we can win. That's just one example. Especially Two, ones that will be Democrats. Ones that will be Democrats, yeah. of course. And, you know, two, let's, let's, you know, defund the police because that's a great idea. You yeah. know, I mean, all these things, let's pack the 
courts. Why? Because we can't get our way. Right. So let's add more people to the courts. It is insane the things that they're proposing. And even Joe Biden has said, look, this is going to hurt us. At least he's recognized it in his, you know, uh, in senile moments, he's even still recognized this. This is critically important that we hold these Georgia Senate seats. It is so important because democracy is at stake. That's really what people need to walk away with. If these two Georgia Senate seats are given to the to the Democrats and they they will do everything. They're already having people move to Georgia with no intent to live there against the laws, breaking the laws of Georgia to go there to vote. Okay? That's what's happening right now. So if you think that this is not going to be, you know, they're not going to try to steal this, think again. Oh, no. Get over to Georgia, get on the phone, do what you can, contribute $5. You don't think $5 matters? It matters. Trust me, it matters. $10, $20, whatever you can to to save our democracy. That's what this is about. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you know, we, we... Only have an hour. Unfortunately, we could have you on for and talk for a whole hour. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Make sure you check out Amanda Mackey on Facebook, Twitter, and her website is amandamackey.com. And we look forward to talking with you soon and hopefully watching, you know, seeing you run for office again and winning. Thank you, Brooke. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for what you're doing, Amanda. Take care. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. And you're listening to us on Salem Media Group, AM860. The answer will be right back. More Brook Talks America coming up. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Let's face it, New York Governor Cuomo is the Grinch, trying to literally kill both the Empire State and the greatest city in the world. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, for several years, New York State residents have endured taxes that are among the highest on earth. Many New Yorkers have left the Empire State and are streaming to lower tax havens like Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Many millennials have left New York City and are finding opportunities in revived cities like Cleveland and growing cities like Austin, Texas. What Cuomo and almost every Democrat governor and mayor refuse to recognize is that lower taxes cause economic growth and much lower and in some cases no financial deficits because more economic activity increases revenues, which pay for needed services like police and fire protection. A less burdensome government allows people to be more productive. After Grinch Cuomo's overregulations, high taxes chased away many people out of New York, causing a $13.5 billion shortfall. His solution? Of course, increase taxes even more, which will only magnify the exodus out of New York, along with his shutdowns, could kill the greatest city in the world. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Check out the blog at BrookeTalksAmerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. You know, before I get into the election, uh, I want to get to talk about the coronavirus. That was an excellent Edwards notebook from Ron Edwards and be talking about that. You know, the lockdowns are still happening and per- particularly brutal, obviously, in Democrats run states, especially in New York and California, which he mentioned. Cuomo has been all 
indoor dining in New York City for the foreseeable future, and California has banned outdoor dining, but is seemingly only for businesses which don't donate to Democrats. That's how it works. We talked last week about the video of a restaurant owner who couldn't have outdoor dining in L.A. in her area in her restaurant but like 20 feet away 10 feet away the there was a film crew that could okay so these lockdowns are not science of course i mean they're they're claimed to be for science but they're not of course here's an example of how data does not does not actually determine the lockdowns in new york uh in san diego because they don't have any i don't have before me right now uh any uh data to compare where we were at the same time last year when we have a very uh severe flu season uh, which we had 17, 18, uh, we were very close to where we uh, are right now. So we've been in this situation before, but the great things, the thing uh, for the public to know is that the hospital is able to adjust and adapt. Um, and as was stated, we can sustain uh, uh, this type of impact for a short period of time, but not for a sustained long period of time. So that's why we are making all of the, the suggestions and also why the state has in, um, implemented the stay-at-home order so we can allow uh, the entire system to uh, adjust and, as we say, the, fl- the curve can be flattened. Yeah, they're not trying to flatten the curve. They're trying to flatten the economy and they're trying to create socialism. Okay. So there are a lot of repercussions of these policies. And of course, no data, right? She says no data. These people are idiot morons. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of repercussions for these, for these policies that are crushing ordinary citizens. Democrat Nancy, uh, ice cream Nancy has also been withholding relief, right? for the new president that she thinks. People are getting very angry and frustrated. Here's an example of a California veteran who expresses the reactions which you might expect in this kind of government overreach, which is also known as tyranny. As, as we realize that it's not quite as dangerous as we thought it'd be, you know, I was absolutely appalled at the cowardice, you know, and as you're sitting there with your masks on, uh, I don't blame you for wearing masks because I'd be hiding my face too if I was you for what you're doing. It's absolutely horrendous what you're doing to these people. I'm a business owner and... Uh, and I'm telling you, our families are starving. You know, you guys can sit here with your jobs. You can sit here and you're going to get paid. You can fall asleep in your chair like that gentleman's doing behind his mask right there. Okay? Uh, and I'm telling you right now that right now we're being peaceful. And, and you better be happy that we're, we're good citizens, that we're peaceful citizens. But it's not going to be peaceful much longer. Okay? And this isn't a threat. I'm not a criminal. I've never been a criminal. But I'm telling you that good citizens are going to turn into real concerned and revolutionary citizens real soon. And nobody else is going to say that. That we're building, we're organizing. And we'll work with law enforcement or without law enforcement. But you won't stop us when time comes because our families are starving. And if you don't hear the seriousness of my voice, I hope you open your ears. And you absolutely listen to what I'm saying. Because this is a warning for what's coming. It's not going to be peaceful much longer. It's not going to be raw rah It's not going to be speeches. It's not going to be gathering outside saying a pledge of allegiance. It's not going to be waving flags. It's going to be real. When you see the things that I've seen, I went to war for this country. I've seen it ugliest, dirtiest part of humanity. I've been in combat, and I never want to go back again. But I'm telling you what, I will to save this country. And there's a million people like me, and you won't stop us. Open the county. Let our citizens do what they need to do. Let owners of businesses do what they need to do to feed their families. Take the masks off. Quit masking and muzzling your children. The psychological damage you're doing to them is horrible. I've had six friends kill themselves since it's happened. Veterans who lost their jobs. How do you feel about being complicit in perpetuating that? The greatest hoax ever perpetuated on the American people. And you're part of it by wearing your mask. In Shasta County, 
We're supposed to be red country up here. Not blue country, we're red country up here. You guys know that. I mean, you claim to be conservatives, maybe you're not, maybe you're liberals, I don't know. But by God, we're Americans, and remember that. Take your masks off, quit muzzling yourselves. Join us, fight with us against what's going on in Sacramento. Now that veteran, God bless him, will likely be on a list now and might be, even be punished, but this Michigan legislator probably will not. She will be, she was stripped of her committee assignments, but when you're a Democrat and you threaten Trump supporters, nothing happens to you, but probably the other guy. So this is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. We ain't playing with you. Enough of the shenanigans. Enough is enough. And for those of you who are soldiers, you know how to do it. Do it right. Be in order. Make them pay. Isn't that nice? This is America 2020. Well, I have to say, Michigan legislator, if that's what you call yourself, I think you should listen to the other guy because he probably knows better than you. Okay, because he was a soldier. Anyways, uh, you have to talk. We have to talk about the election, of course. And just keep in mind, these are taxpayer funded government workers crushing the taxpayers. And as I said last week, they're going to be if Biden gets in, God forbid, you know, the other stuff that will happen, they'll do a, a blue state bailout. Right. And they'll re they'll re reestablish salt deductions for Democrat states and cities. So this is what we're looking forward to. We have to talk about the election. Uh, and here is who Democrats voted for. This guy can't even pronounce his own friend's name correctly. I'm grateful to the members of my COVID team that I'd like to introduce to you now who will lead the way. I'm really proud of this group. For Secretary of Health and Education, I nominated Javier Bacaria. You know, Javier Bashera, excuse me. Yeah. This is this is what we're dealing with here. This person is supposed to be the president of the United States. I don't think so. Uh, I do want to get into something, though, that, you know, God forbid we have to think about this. Uh, this is the next part of the plan. This is part of the Great Reset. We've talked about it multiple times on this show. This will happen, okay, if they get in. This is what they're talking about already, gun confiscation. So to, to gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. Do you believe in the mandatory buyback of quote-unquote assault weapons? I do believe that we need to do buybacks, and I'll tell you why. They are weapons of war with no place on the streets of a civil society. Realistically, do you think it's possible for a Biden administration to destroy the Second Amendment without a vote in Congress? Absolutely. Absolutely. So with, with the idea with the, the executive action that Kamala Harris was referring to, they could get creative with it from the standpoint of saying, well, these particular guns need to live under the NFA Act, which is an act that essentially causes you to register certain firearms and pay a tax on them. And then if you can't do that or afford that particular tax, well, then you'll just have to sell them back to the government. At a, at a fraction of the cost, and then that's how they'll go about doing it in that manner. And I think a lot of people are not understanding that. They think, they think that if they can't get it through Congress, they can't find other means to restrict your rights, but they truly can't. That was Tucker Carlson speaking with Colin Noir. He's a gun rights activist, uh, and he's talking about that. Now, if you'll remember Bobby Francis, right, this is the person that said, hell yeah, we're going to take your AR-15s during the debates. This is who 
Sleepy Joe, Comrade, Comrade Joe, China Joe, wants to have as the guns are. Okay? So this is what's happening, people. This is what's in our future if, uh, you know, if they're able to successfully steal this election. I 100% believe it's a fraudulent election. Trump won overwhelmingly. I just wish, and Bannon actually said this, I know Colonel Jim watches the show all the time, and uh, probably agrees with him, is that on, on election night at 10 o'clock, I just wish that he had come out and said and thrown down the gauntlet and said, I won, and now they're trying to steal it. But it didn't happen, so unfortunately the media who are evil, got some of their narrative on it. So we'll just have to see what happens. But uh, lots of interesting things in the future of America. Hope that it doesn't happen. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. Coming back with Colonel Jim. More Brooke Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. Visit on Facebook. Search Brooke Talks. And now, your host, Brooke Says. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. So, just a reminder, okay, because we heard Kamala Harris talking about that. Just a reminder that she's the vice presidential nominee. Nobody even wanted her in the Democrat Party. She didn't get one vote. She had to drop out before there were even votes. So, it's unbelievable that she's even... In the conversation, and I'm not going to play the uh, audio of it, but I just want to remind everybody that before the election, the mainstream media all were saying there was nothing at all to Beijing Biden and the laptop from hell. Okay, take after take after take talking about it's Russian disinformation. Now, what are they doing? They're talking about it to try to take him out so that they can put her in. This is what we're dealing with. Trump is 100% correct when he calls the media the enemy of the people. Anyway, so Jim, I want to obviously, you know, we have to talk about the election and people are freaking out about the Texas case. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I want to put this a little bit into context and, and dissect it a little bit. You know, last night I was on my way home around 6 p.m. and my phone blew up. <laughs> I do Unbelievable. Make that phrase, but still. Unbelievable. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? And of course, it hadn't really hit um, the, the 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 media, you know, radio. And I don't I don't normally listen to too much on there. So I had a I was going to stop and get something to eat, and I said I got to rush home and see what the hell's going on. So I got home, and of course, it's this situation in the in the with the Supreme Court over the Texas hearing. You know, the one where we had uh, 22 states who had jumped on over the course of a week, and people were knee jerking like crazy. And why were they knee jerking? They were knee jerking because the mainstream media, which is pretty much all the media now, unless you. Uh, listen to selective, including Fox. including Fox, unless you listen, and, and Fox was actually the worst of the worst last night. Really? Oh, yeah. We're freaking out. People were going crazy. It's over. We're done. Yep. It's finished. And that's all I heard. My phone was blowing up, as I said, and I'm calling people back to find out, okay, what's going on? And then I took a little time and said, okay, look, 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 this is not what happened. Even the Supreme Court gave instructions after they read their their thing, and I know people were upset over uh, the three picks that President Trump had, and I I believe they sat it out because they they didn't want to make a decision because there wasn't a case here because 
the filing was done incorrectly, and they laid out and said, in summary, the, the Supreme Court rejected the Texas case because Texas filed their case as a, as a motion for leave to file the bill of complaint. However, SCOTUS signaled to Texas and the other states saying that if they had filed their cases as a motion to file the bill of complaint, then the cases would be heard. They can go back and redo that. I suspect they will be doing that, and they're working on that now. The other thing you need to remember is, before this Texas case was even brought up a week ago, where were we? We were moving down, excuse me, individual uh, state cases, individual law cases. You know, you have uh, the states filing cases, and you have people like Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, who are filing criminal cases. And so those are all going. And I want to, I want people to remember this one thing. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court was never granted the authority by the U.S. Constitution to decide an election. That authority lies by the Constitution to the U.S. House of Representatives on January 6th. You know, when this was... If not before with the other situation. Of course. But that's where it lies, not with the Supreme Court. Last night, there was a really good quote put out by about 11 o'clock by Sebastian Gorka, and it was within regard to the same thing. He says, if you're, if you've given up tonight, I ask you, do you think Donald Trump became commander in chief and president of the United States by giving up? Was our, was our republic formed by men and women who gave up in the face of insurmountable odds? So take a deep breath, read the Bible, pray, and tomorrow we will fight again. And I wanted to leave you with one other piece on this, and this came from <clears throat> Chris Ann Hall, who is a constitutional attorney, and she talked about in a, in, a, in a posting last night, during the American Revolution, we never really won a battle over nearly seven years of the revolution until 1770 or 1781 at Yorktown, where that was the decisive victory, and we, we essentially won and beat beat the British. But it took all those years where we lost battle after battle before that happened. And I kept that in mind right after 9-11 when I was in the Pentagon and saw what we were going to be going up against in Afghanistan. And I, I, I wrote a, a comment to a presentation I gave. It says, wars are not won by winning battles. They are won, by, they are won on determination, resolve, and the will to fight on at all costs. That's where we're at. And as Mike Flynn said, both last night in a posting and today, about an hour ago down at Freedom Plaza in Washington, D.C., he said, Donald Trump will be elected president on January 20th. So I leave you with that with regard to what's going on. We've got to keep fighting on, and we will. Well, and on that note, yeah, they had the Jericho the Jericho March today, and it was amazing. He spoke, some people saying it was just great to see all those patriots there. Patriots are not playing, and I tell you what, he has, Trump has inspired the Republican Party. It's Trump's party now, and we're not having these weak-kneed rhinos anymore, okay? It's conservative, it's Trumplican, it's trump conservative. So we do have to talk, obviously, about Swalwell, that ever-so-charming I just, I can't even say on the air what I think about this guy. He's so ridiculous. Now, I ha- before we get into it, I do have to play. So he has been talking about Trump, 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 Trump with such insanity forever. And now we know 
because we're seeing all these people up with Chinese, up into the Chinese Communist Party. So he was talking about Trump with the Russians, and he was talking about Donald Trump Jr. Just play this clip about that. I think we've all gotten a PhD in Russian studies that none of us uh, signed up for. Uh, But stated plainly, the president's son met with a Russian spy. We now have the best evidence of that in our minority report the Democrats put out that Ms. Veselnitskaya was going all over the world and bumping into Dana Rohrbacher, which is a sign of a, a spy, someone who tries to create you know, a, a coincidence uh, encounter. Uh, and now we know that she was working at the behest uh, of the Russian government. The president's son, Nicole, met with a Russian spy, but also at that meeting was Paul Manafort. So Paul Manafort knows he's in a meeting where uh, he knows the premise is dirt is being offered on the campaign's opponent, and he has this side relationship with a former GRU officer, a Russian military officer, and now we know is sharing uh, internal campaign polling data. So you see from all individuals here, from the president's son to his son-in-law to his campaign chairman, an eagerness and a willingness to work with the Russians. What that materialized to, I think at this point only special counsel knows, but thankfully Democrats on the Intelligence Committee uh, in very short order are going to be in a position to understand. Yes. Did you hear what he said? Democrats on the Intelligence Committee. He is a Democrat on the Intelligence Committee, and it has come out this week that he had a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy. Whatever Democrats accuse you of doing, they are doing themselves. He had a relationship with a Chinese spy. Don Jr. was never on the Intel Committee, and this guy was. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Jim, quick, talk quickly about that. Yeah, this is just beyond belief with regard to um, Swalwell, the person who was one of the lead people who were going after President <laughs> Trump during the impeachment, and now gets caught red-handed, right involved in the middle of a what we call in the Intel community business the honey trap spy network and china has a massive one in the united states i mean i could speak about this at length with some of the things we've experienced with but he is a member of congress he is on the intelligence committee which requires special dispensation clearance what have you because you're dealing with some of the nation's uh, biggest secrets and you're carrying on with a chinese spy if you couldn't figure it out that that's what was going on here, that they were setting you up to entrap you in this and they were going to use it against you. I don't know. You, you've got to be a real stupid person, and, and I have no problem saying that. Because, well, he is. Well, <laughs> that's what happens. And, I mean, I, in fact, I did a uh, an interview this week um, with uh, Holly McKay of Fox News and, and some of my uh, – uh, other intelligence colleagues were also in on the interview, and we we did a we did a layout of the involvement of the, the Chinese spy network. The Russians used to do this and are pretty good at it, but the Chinese are much more incredible. So uh, he is totally guilty. He needs to be removed yes. immediately from uh, the intel, and he needs to be removed from Congress. I'll just put it bluntly. I mean, this is this is egregious. Well. Get rid of the clearance. Get rid of him. Throw him. He he just needs to be removed from Congress, and I would hope that that happens in the next session. Yes, it's ridiculous. So we we don't have much time. I just want to say Trump announces yet another peace deal. Israel Israel Morocco peace deal. I believe it's his fourth. Um, we had the great Jericho rally today. Uh, 
pro-Trump stop the steel rally. Very quickly on two key subjects. The Pentagon weighs cutting most of its support to CIA's counterterrorism missions. I need an, a minute. Okay. On that, don't need jerk on that either. This is part of a strategic effort where the Pentagon is relooking at its missions and it has provided uh, logistical and transportation support. I was involved in that for many years with with the, the Pentagon and the CIA. Uh, basically, they're saying we we can cover the counterterrorism effort. CIA can do theirs with their in-house, and we don't have to provide as much logistical support. It's an effort to cut costs, save money, and redirect strategic efforts, which are going to be Russia and China, obviously, rather than Middle Eastern terrorism, where this is mainly focused on because – Al-Qaeda and ISIS and some of the others are pretty much rounded up, and they're only doing small things in, in those countries alone where we don't need to be involved. Well, unless you get more Biden, and then you're just going to get more wars and more crazy. Absolutely. So very quickly, congratulations, Colonel Jim Warshuk. You had no opposition. You were reelected handily in your third term as the Hillsborough County Republican chairman. Congratulations on that. All three out of four were uncontested on the board. You, the the secretary, the treasurer, there was an op- opposition for the vice chair. You're one. It's a conservative board doing great work. So talk about that really quickly. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, we've been going through a lot of, of harassment by our rhinos yeah. in, our, in our party who want us to be able to work closer with Democrats, which... As far as I'm concerned, under my leadership, that's not going to happen because we know the Democratic Party is not the party of JFK and 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 uh, you know the past. So there's no need to do it. They and we're we're watching right now what what they're going through with the president and how they're dealing with it. So we have no reason to do that. We're going to move forward with President Trump's agenda and a conservative agenda for Hillsborough. And the new members who want to work with the board and move it in a conservative direction. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim on AM860, The Answer. See you next week. Pray, pray, pray. You've been listening to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot, Brooke Says. Connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. By Twitter, at Talks America. And listen next Saturday night for more Brooke Talks America on AM 860, The Answer.